If you have your Bible, I pray that you do. It's a good thing to bring your Bible when you come to worship the Lord. So if you have your Bible, uh, I want to ask you to turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 this morning in the precious Word of God. And I want us to notice what God's Word has to say. And we're going to really zero in on our text this morning. And again, we're starting uh, to uh, talk about missions. We're starting to talk about faith. We're starting to talk about sharing the gospel with not only those that we know here locally, but all around the world. And so in, Luke, in uh, Mark chapter 16, in verse number 15, we find that our Lord is speaking to his disciples. This is right after Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, and it's just prior to his ascension into heaven. And in verse number 14, Jesus has just actually rebuked his disciples for unbelief. He's actually come to his disciples. Uh, word has gotten out that he had uh, risen from the dead. And, and after witness after witness, there's still a little bit of unbelief going around. This, this actually is important for us in to understand the gospel message that it wasn't some kind of charade. It was actually something that took place. His disciples were caught off guard. They did not expect what had taken place. And so in verse number 14, Jesus actually rebukes his disciples for their unbelief. And then notice right away in verse number 15 what he says to them. He says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is his message. Certainly the Great Commission is just as relevant today as it has ever been before. In fact, if you look again here in verse number 15, Jesus' command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and the missionary obligation that we see over in Matthew chapter 28 and we could go to Acts chapter 1 and other passages of Scripture, we see that it is still binding on us today to go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is the opportunity that we have. And over the years, most of you that have been around Battlefield long enough understand that over the years, we have kind of dubbed our missions conferences, Missions Revival. And I've said many times, going on seven years, it's amazing to me, seven years, this is crazy that I've served as pastor coming up in November, seven years. And we have dubbed it Missions Revival, but we understand, folks, that revival comes from who? It only comes from God. So it doesn't matter whether I put up a, a banner, if I put up a sign or whatever. That doesn't mean that we're going to have Missions Revival, but that's just what we need. I would say in 2020 that we are all in need of revival. <laughs> Every one of us. We probably ought to just have a whole year of revival. 2020 has been like no other. In fact, what's odd to me is that we always claim the, this idea or this statement, seeing 2020, seeing clearly in 2020. Well, have we seen clearly in 2020? I don't know if that's the case. Everyone from the pew all the way to the pulpit, every one of us in one way or another needs to be rejuvenated. We need to be reinvigorated for the work that our Lord has called us to do and it started all the way back when he told his disciples he said listen I don't know what the problem is with your unbelief he said but here's what I want to tell you this is your new mission go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature it is so important 
So this morning, I want us to begin the month of September. And I know some people are away and some are joining us online still and, and whatnot, but I want us to encourage ourselves in the Lord. You know, that's what David did when he was on the run. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 6, you'll find David saying that he needed to encourage himself in the Lord. And so I'm asking God to work in our hearts and in our minds this month as we draw close to our missions revival and we begin the process by his power, by his strength, by his might, that we might open up our eyes and open up our hearts again to the mission that Jesus actually gave to his disciples oh so long ago. And so this morning, let's do that. Let's join our hearts in prayer. I know that Colby has already prayed, but I just want to ask God to give a special blessing over the teaching of his word this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the simplicity of the message. But God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to the reality of the mission that you gave so long ago. God, I pray that individually and corporately you would begin that process of reviving our hearts for the mission not only here in Northern Virginia, but all around the world. And so, God, I pray that you would be pleased in what's said and done in the next few moments of time. Lord, I pray that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. Lord, I love you and I thank you for the opportunity to stand and to communicate your word to your people. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask all these things for his sake. Amen and amen. Look with me again in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Jesus is going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Folks, quite simply, this is God's divine plan. God has a plan. That's the title of the message, if you please. God has a plan. It's his plan to take the gospel message here in little old Warrington, Northern Virginia, Warrington, Virginia, and carry it all around the world. And guess how he does it? He does it through you and through me and through others who are willing to go and to share the love and the truth of the gospel with other people. It's been said that many times missions is on our minds, but it's not in our hearts. That's crazy to me because most of us in Baptist churches especially, and many other churches too, but especially in Baptist churches, many times we think about missions, we talk about missions, but sadly... Sometimes I think we're slow and we're low on the area of doing missions. We think about people, like we think about uh, those that are being martyred for their faith all around the world. We think about those people, but are we willing to do the same here in Northern Virginia? And certainly we know that there's an adversary, isn't there? He walks about. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8 that the devil, he walks about seeking whom he may devour. He does not like, by the way, I've said this many times, he doesn't like this church. Someone said that's right. He doesn't like this church, folks. He doesn't want the, the construction, the renovation. He doesn't want people to come to Christ. He doesn't want missionaries to be supported. He doesn't want us to go out into our neighborhoods and communicate God's love to other people. He hates this church. And by the way, based on the authority of Scripture, I, even in this one verse, he hates you. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, he hates you. He's walking about seeking whom he made a bower. But let's be honest, we give him a lot of credit, don't we? We like to give the devil credit. We're like, well, the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You just did it. I mean, when I was a kid and my parents, 
I, I promise I won't tell a bunch of bad jokes. Shameless. <laughs> Listen, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, if I did something wrong, it wasn't because the devil made me do it. It was because Greg made me do it. Selfishness made me do it. I wanted what I wanted. And isn't that what we're seeing today in 2020? We live in a world that is full of self-satisfaction self and self-gratification. That's what's going on in our society. But we give the devil too much credit for hindering the work of God. The devil, I'll be honest with you, the devil uh, deserves less of the credit for not doing what God wants us to do, and we deserve all the credit. Because, see, there's, there's a plan, but there's also a process to the plan. I think about Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 28, in verse number 18. I think Jesus said it was that he had all power in heaven and earth. He said he had all power in heaven and earth. And, and at the end of that passage there, the Great Commission, he says, he says, listen, I'm with you always. He says, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So here's the crazy thing, the way my, my, my mind works. is like, if Jesus is with us always, and if Jesus has all power in heaven and earth, then what's the problem? If he's with us, he says, listen, I'm going to go with you. Right? As you go out, you're going to be witnesses unto me. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be there. And guess what? I have the power. You don't have to, con you don't have to fear. You can go in Jesus' name and share the love and the truth of the gospel with other people. Guess what? It's a very divisive message. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. It's a, little, it's a divisive message. The gospel is not a pleasant message to the world. In fact, you may have seen those bumper stickers that run around on cars now. It's become more prevalent all the time. They say co-exist because they want you to think that Jesus and Buddha are the same. They want you to think that uh, 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 Islam and Christianity are the same. They're not. They're not the same. It's a very divisive message when you think about it but God has always had a plan and if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior you ought to be thankful for the plan God has always had a plan to get the gospel around the world and as Christ followers it involves you and I and so if you're a note taker we're going to zip right through it this morning but first of all I want you to notice that the plan is his the plan is his plan it's not my plan it's not your plan do you know that the longer I live, I see more people trying to change the plan, trying to augment the plan, trying to come up with a new plan? And if we'll just say this, if we'll just do this, if we have the right color flowers, if we have the right whatever, we're doing big things for Jesus. No. That's beautiful, by the way. <laughs> it is beautiful, by the way. But do you know what? The gospel has nothing to do with candles and flowers. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ coming because God loved you so much that he did not want you to spend an eternity separated from him. He loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins. That's the plan. The plan has always been him. And, and the beautiful thing is the plan has been, always been based on love. Where's the love, Battlefield? Where's the love in the United States of America. Where's the love across the world? The plan that God has has always been based on love. For God so hated the world that he sent his son. No, he didn't say that. For God so wanted to judge the world that no. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John in chapter 4 and verse number 10, the Bible says, Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and that he sent his son to become the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice is what that word means for our sin. That's how much God loved you. He said, listen, there's a problem. It's called sin. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my only begotten son so that you don't have to worry about it, so that you don't have to try and deal with it, so that you don't have to try and work your way to heaven, so that you don't have to try and buy your way to heaven, so that you don't have to think your way to heaven. I'm going to provide the atoning sacrifice for your sins, and all you have to do is believe. Believe and receive. That's a great plan. By the way, it costs you nothing, but it costs him everything. I love getting deals. You get deals at stores. You get discounts and whatnot. That's the greatest deal ever because it didn't cost you or me one cent. I say it all the time. God the Father sent and gave and Jesus the Son came and died because it was God's beautiful, beautiful plan for all people, all people, red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in his sight. That's why Romans 10 and verse 13 declares that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's plan and appeal to humankind to call upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. Do you know what? It, it's not, it, it was not only in effect back when Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's still in effect today. The forgiveness of sins is still available to people today. And so as we start to get revved up, and guys, I'm asking you to be in prayer. I'm asking you to get into God's Word, to study God's Word, and to start thinking about what you're going to do by faith for the cause of missions throughout the next year. And listen, you're saying, it's 2020. Coronavirus has taken over the world, and I don't know if I can go on. Yes, you can. You can go on. There's no reason to walk in fear. Mark and I were talking a little bit about that on Thursday night as I left. He was sitting there and I was pulling out. <laughs> There's no reason, folks, for us to walk in fear. We can walk in the newness of life because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's not even in the message. <laughs> I think about on that night of nights, and I actually I mentioned it last week, on that night of nights when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, right? The angel comes to the shepherds. They're out in the field. And you remember what the angel says in Luke chapter 2 in verse number 10 and 11. The angel says to him, he begins by saying, fear not. He says, hey, let me take care of the fear factor for you. You don't need to fear, although it's kind of strange that I'm here and I'm talking to you and you've never seen anything like this, but that's how God works. That's how God operates. God does things differently than you and I do. And so the angel says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to who? Oh, man, you guys are participating today. That's crazy. All people. Do you know what? I'm a biblical scholar. Huh. And I did a study of the word all. And in the Greek, you know what it means? It means all. Even me. It includes me. Oh my goodness, the very beginning, God has had a plan for all people. It, I, Galatians chapter 4, throw that one up. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4 and 5. 
The Bible says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. Notice verse number five, to redeem them. In other words, to rescue them, to ransom them. God sent his son to pay the ransom for me. Do I deserve it? No. Does anyone deserve to be ransomed or rescued? No. But God's plan was based on love. It is based on love, which is why we have to continue to send the gospel not, out not only in Warrington, Virginia, but all around the world. That's why we got to keep on taking on missionaries. And people, please don't come up to me and ask me, Pastor, how many missionaries is enough? We can't support enough missionaries. In fact, we need to see some missionaries going out of this congregation. It's about time we see some more young people rise up and to hear the call of God and become missionaries. It's about time I see another young man come up and say, hey, pastor, I feel God calling on my life to be a preacher boy. How about go out and change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? In the Old Testament, God said, man, I'm getting worked up, and that's only the first point. It's overflow from last week. In the Old Testament, God said in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse number 22, notice he says, look unto me and be ye saved. As the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness in the Old Testament, Jesus said to Nicodemus, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and I will draw all men unto myself. But notice here, he says, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God. And I love the last phrase, and there is, how many else? None means none. In the Hebrew, it means none. I love to doing the word studies. It's pretty simple. In the New Testament, Jesus proclaimed, here's where the gospel gets offensive. It gets offensive. In fact, I was watching a news report, which, by the way, be careful what you watch on TV. I had to turn it off after about two seconds because I was getting sick to my stomach. But we're living in a culture where everybody is waiting to be offended. Everybody is waiting to be offended. And I'm just thinking, you offended me, Krista. She said, good. <laughs> we live in a society where we're teaching our young people, we're teaching our old people new tricks. They say you can't teach old dogs new tricks, but you can. Because I'm saying, <laughs> Linda. I love my girl, Linda. <laughs> and I was watching. And it's being taught in our colleges and universities and in our high schools now to be on the lookout for offensive language. Do you know that the most offensive thing that was ever said was said in the New Testament of God's Word? The most offensive thing that was ever said was said by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, when he said in John chapter 14 and verse number 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Listen, you're not getting to the Father by Buddha. You're not getting to the Father by Islam. You're not getting to the Father by any other way but Jesus. Jesus laid his life down for my sin. And for your sin, if you're a blood-bought child of God, it was his blood that saved you. It was his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection that gives you hope for eternity. That's it. And so the plan is his. 
Hopefully I made the point. Jesus was born, he lived, he died, he rose again, he ascended, and one day, I'll be honest with you, I'm excited, because one day, he's coming back. Man, maybe that's why it says he's coming back on a pale horse, on that white stallion, man. Rose, I wish you had a white stallion. I could just ride around on out there. Oh, man, the plan is his, but here's the, re- the sobering reality for you note takers. Number two, the responsibility is ours. Uh-oh. The plan is his, but the responsibility is ours. Look back at Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. You see Jesus' instructions to his closest followers back then in verse number 15, to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature is his instruction to you and I now. But there's a key word in that passage. Right there, you see it? It's two little letters. Ye. Go ye. He said, you guys that are unbelieving that I am who I say I am and that I've risen from the dead. He said, get over your unbelief and go into all the world and preach the gospel. It, the responsibility is yours, is exactly what he's saying. He says, I did what I came to do. I fulfilled the Father's mission, and I'm ascending into heaven. Turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to see this, and we'll not stay long. I just want you to see very quickly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, And you can hold your spot in Mark chapter 16 if you want. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, really, my life verse is verse 17, where the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So here's the really cool part, guys. If you and I are new in Christ Jesus, then the responsibility, God's plan, it's his plan, but the responsibility is now yours. It's now mine. Because if you read verse 18, 19, and 20, the Bible clearly tells you that the responsibility has now been given to you. It's been given to me. Look at verse number 18. Because as new creations in Christ, you and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Look there at verse number 18. And then in verse number 19, the Bible says that God hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. And then in verse number 20... The Bible says that you and I are ambassadors for who? I.e., you and I are to represent the king. Let me ask you a question. How's it going? How is your representation of King Jesus going? The beautiful thing is that if you failed yesterday, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And so guess what? His mercies are new every morning. It was author Keith Wright who said, lost people matter to God. And so they must matter to us. As believers, you and I have been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ to reach our world with the good news of the gospel. However, I'm convinced, and I shared this last year. I did a revival. I started a revival meeting out at First Baptist Church in Warrington, and for whatever reason, they made the mistake of asking me to come and speak to them. But I was sharing with them on that night that the reason we don't take our responsibility as seriously as we need to is 
I'm afraid that we are afflicted by the three ugly cousins of Christianity. See, there's three ugly cousins, and there's probably a whole lot more. There's probably a whole lot more, but there's three ugly cousins, and they're all on my wife's side of the family, by the way. <laughs> the beautiful cousins are on my side. Huh, Jason? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that was ugly. But seriously, folks, these ugly cousins are wreaking havoc in Christianity today. And a couple of you were there that night when I shared that the first ugly cousin is, is this idea of convenience. It's the ugly cousin of convenience that stops us from taking our responsibilities seriously. You see, convenience is a false way of living out this idea, and I've said this from the pulpit before, of where we sing the song, Oh, how I love Jesus. But yet when the pastor says, Hey, listen, we need some, we need some volunteers to serve the Lord. Or when the Lord says, Hey, uh, where are you? I'm trying to send you across the waters. I'm trying to send you to the mission field. And what we do is we say, Well, that's not very convenient. Well, I'm, I'm retired now, Pastor. You know, I worked for 30 years in the blankety-blankety-blank. Yeah, okay, congratulations. I feel like my wife, when I do something good at home, you know what my wife says? She says, do you want your gold star now or later? And all the, life, and all the wives are laughing. Convenience cripples the responsibility of Christians. Honestly, I think about 2020. Do you know that on every Sunday morning, sanctuaries before COVID and online services are half empty. Do you know that the internet is huge? Those that are online, we could see more people watching online. Do you know that we have certain people watching today in other countries online worshiping with us? That's amazing. We've been reached by people from Nepal that are watching online and worshiping with little old Battlefield Baptist Church here in Warrington, Virginia. But do you know? And that's beautiful. Isn't that? That's amazing. But here's the thing. We got plenty of room for more social distancing. If you're afraid of the, the stuff with social distancing, there's plenty of room right here. We could fit some more people there. There's some pews there. We could fit people. Not all the pews have been quarantined. There's still more room in the end, so to speak. But because it's not convenient or because the world has kind of fooled us into thinking that somehow worshiping Jesus is a dangerous thing, that you're going to get sick here but you won't get sick at Walmart or the restaurant or anywhere else is crazy to me. But let's be honest. It's not convenient to get up on Sunday morning and to wash your armpits and to come to God's house. But please wash your armpits. It's okay, you can use a bar of soap. I know this is Fauquier County, but they have not outlawed soap yet. <laughs> but you know what stops us? You know what stops us from holding up our end of the bargain, so to speak, is convenience. It's not convenient, Pastor. I just don't have time. The problem lies that we love our convenience more than we love Jesus. In fact, we love convenience more than we love other people. We do, and I'm sorry. They used, my grandpa used to say something 
that I, I'm still trying to figure out, I'll be 54 here soon, I'm still trying to figure this one out. He used to say, proof is in the pudding. And all y'all, yeah, that's a good one. Well, what proof are we looking for in the pudding? Is there some little magic treat down in the pudding? That's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, I hope the rubber's meeting the road if you're in a car. Guys, the responsibility to carry the gospel is our responsibility. God has a plan. His plan is perfect, but the responsibility lies with you and me. And one of the reasons we don't meet the responsibility is because of convenience. Another one is apathy. The ugly cousin of apathy. Listen, the idea of apathy is this idea of lack of interest. Well, you guys have a missions revival. I'm not really interested in that. When you do a, a series on dealing with the devil, I'll be back. When, you, when we have a vaccination, I'll be back. When we have this, I'll be back. When, when you have another banquet, are you having a barbecue dinner at missions? I, I'll come for the barbecue dinner. I, by the way, I don't have to pay for that, do I? What are we doing, guys? What are we doing? I got news for you. Jesus is coming soon. And I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but he's coming soon. You look around, take a look at the sign of the times. And I understand what scripture says. Somebody back there is going to be like, email me later. Pastor, you know the Bible says, as it were in the time of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. No man knows the time. Well, no, I get that. But you take a look around and you see what's taking place. I've got to believe that it's soon and very soon. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to go see the king. The, the last cousin that I think I ought to talk about that like I said there's many others is complacency we get satisfied with the status quo we're satisfied we we say to ourselves we've done enough we've prayed enough we've served enough we've given enough there's enough missionaries man I mean pastor come on we're supporting 130 plus missionaries isn't that enough no it's not enough do you know how many billions of people there are in the world it's changing all the time over 7 billion people in the world, and you think 130 missionaries is going to get the job done? No. And I know what you're thinking. You say, well, let another church send them. I can't rely on another church. We have to do what we can do while we have time. Complacency is a dangerous thing because, folks, the job is not done. The job is not done. There are people, all you have to do is look at your own families. Anybody have a family or a friend that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior? Let me see. If anybody, let me see your hands. If you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus in your family or your close circle of friends, let's see this. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's over 95%. And the other four were just, they didn't want to raise their hand. I'm not raising my hand. I don't care if they're giving away free cars. Guys, we have a huge responsibility and we cannot become complacent. Folks, we only need to look within our own families to know that the need is great and, and, and that the job is not done. And so until we embrace the reality uh, that the job is not done, until it dictates our thoughts and our words and our actions, we're just spinning our wheels. The Bible reminds us of the sobering thought in Romans chapter 10. In verse 14 and 15, it says, how, notice I underline how in my Bible. It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? In verse 15, and how 
shall they be preached except they be sent. Oh yes, somebody has to do the sending and someone has to be willing to do the going. And by the way, we're called to do both. You're to be sending to the regions beyond, but you're to be going locally. Every one of us are missionaries if you're a Christian. Oh yes, God is willing and ready to save sinners, but he wants us to do our part in sharing the good news of the gospel with others. The plan of his, the responsibility is ours, and I kind of foreshadowed it. The third point I would just say is the need is great. The need is great. If it wasn't great, Jesus would not have said in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, look at that verse again, go ye into where? All the world. All the world, there again, (laughs) all means all. That means to the farthest reaches of the world. We're to be carrying the light of the glorious gospel because, see, God's word is pretty clear. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible goes on and says not only have all sinned, but the Bible goes on and says that the wages for that sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, listen, we are all sinners in need of a great Savior. We're all sinners in need of a great Savior. I'm thankful for a great Savior who was long-suffering. You know, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 reminds us of the long-suffering of God. See, he was not willing that any should perish, but that... You see it? The need is great. See, I don't understand. I get it. I get it. And I'm not going to have a debate on it on the platform God's death on the cross is efficacious for all. He is long-suffering, not willing that who should perish, that any should perish. It's not his desire that any should perish, but it is willing that all should come to repentance. And I know some people say, well, why didn't he just wave his magic wand? And everybody, because he's got a plan. And the plan is for you and I to take the gospel message to the regions beyond. Oh, listen, without the gospel, you and I are men and women most miserable. Without the gospel, we have no hope. Listen, it was John Wesley who said these words. He said, untold millions are still untold. Guys, that was a long time ago. Do you know that John Wesley lived a long, long time ago? But he was right then and he's right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 3 and 4 says, But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine. It says, should shine unto them. Oh, we have to carry the gospel. And listen, every one of us, when we walk out these doors, if you're a representative of the king, you are a representation of the gospel message by the life you lead, the words that you say, the things that you do. It was preacher and hymn writer of yesteryear, a gentleman by the name of J. Stuart Holden. And he said these words. He said, uh, go ye is as much a part of Christ's gospel as come unto me. He says, you cannot claim to be faithful Christian until you have honestly faced your responsibility in regard to carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. See, We like to come unto me, all ye that are labor and are heavy laden. And Jesus says, I will give you rest, right? We like that part. 
But sometimes we don't do well with the go ye into all the world and preach the gospel part. Oh, the plan is his, the responsibility is ours, the need is great, and quite honestly, lastly, the time is now. The time is now. In John chapter 4, after surveying what was taking place, Jesus looked out on the multitudes. He was speaking to his disciples, and he says these words in John chapter 4, verse 35. He says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. He was talking about people. He was talking about souls. They would have been wearing the white wraps around their head. And when he looked out and he saw the white wraps around their head, he was pinpointing the people and the lostness of their soul. In John chapter 4, he reminded all of us that he had work. He had to work the works of him that sent him. But then he says this, he said that the night was coming that no man could work. Do you know that there's a night that's going to come that you and I will not be able to work? I shared with you this morning earlier to be praying for Dwayne and Kate Edwards about the loss of Scotty. Had the opportunity to have the service yesterday for Miss Shirley. See, there's a night coming when no man, no woman's going to be able to work. We have to do what we can do now because the time is now. There's an urgent need. I, I think about Paul. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 29, he said that the time is short. And he was right. We only have a little bit of time. Oh, the time to do something is now because time is wasting. Do you know that doors are literally shutting to our missionaries? I read letters all the time. You think about our own missionary, Joanne Foltz in Tanzania. If God does not intervene in that situation, she will be kicked out of Tanzania next year. She's been there for years and years and years, and now, see, these other countries are starting to push missionaries out of their countries. And so if we're going to uh, send missionaries around the world, the time is now. We can't sit here and think about it and talk about it and say, well, you know, once we finish the construction, once we get things going the way that we want to, and once we see more people actually come back on campus, we'll send more. No, we don't have time to wait. The time is now. People are dying. I close with the words of the late Vance Havner. Vance Havner once said this. He said, the tragedy of our time is that the situation is desperate. I said last week, all the old guys have the good quotes. He said, the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. Oh, my friends, God has a plan. The responsibility is ours. The need is great and the time is now. And so why not get real honest with God today? Last week I asked you to get real honest with God. Why not be honest with him when it comes to this missionary mandate that each and every one of us have? Next week, Lord willing, I'm going to tell you a a crazy story found in Scripture of how, had it not been for God, had it not been for Jesus, the situation, I was giving you a little bit, uh, talking with Taylor a little bit about what the Lord's laying on my heart for next week. Had it not been for Jesus, just think what would have happened in this situation. So I'm looking forward to that time. But guys, had it not been for Jesus, you and I wouldn't even be here. Had it not been for Jesus, you and I wouldn't know the gospel story to be able to tell other people. The time is now. If there's something 
that's, that's between you and God, if there's something that's blocking that, that sweet fellowship, that sweet relationship between you and the Lord, I pray that you'll do business with him today. Listen, he's a wonderful, wonderful Savior. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I said it at the outset. Yes, the plan is his, but the plan was based on love. If you've never trusted Christ, there's no reason not to trust him. He was born of a virgin, lived 33 plus years. He went to an old rugged cross for your sin and for my sin. He placed sin on him. He died paying the price to become our deliverer, our rescuer, if you please. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And the Bible says that three days later he arose according to the scriptures. And he conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. And so if you've never trusted Jesus, do it. Do it today. The Bible is real simple. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I beg you, if you're watching online, you've never trusted Christ, do it right there. I don't care if you're in your kitchen or your living room or your bedroom, wherever you're at, you can receive Christ as your Savior. But if you're here and you're a believer and you still got breath, and as I look around, every one of you still breathing, it's hard to see behind some of the masks, but I'm going to trust that you're, that you're still breathing. If you still have breath, why not get more serious about the plan? Why not get more serious about the responsibility? Because the need is great and the time is now. Guys, as we begin to draw closer and closer to missions revival, I'm asking you to pray for our missionaries that are coming in. We have a missionary couple coming in that are going to a restricted access nation. I'm not real sure that I should say their country online since we're online today. We have another missionary family coming in, going back to Haiti. He grew up as a missionary kid uh, in Haiti, pastored a church for many, many years down in South Carolina. Now he and his wife and uh, the two older children are grown, but the two younger children are still with them. They are going back to Haiti as missionaries. And then we also have, we have another couple that is coming and they're going to be with us going to Japan. They have a five-month-old boy, Levi, and they'll be with us. Would you pray for them? Would you pray for these missionaries? It's been so devastating on our missionary partners. They're not able to get in churches because a lot of churches still aren't meeting. A lot of churches, to be honest, even in our area, I was driving by some of the churches and some of them still aren't meeting inside. They're just having drive-up church and, and whatnot. Guys, be praying for our missionaries. Be asking God to work on your own heart as we draw closer to missions revival to consider God has a plan. It's his plan. The responsibility is ours. The need is great and the time is now. Start to let that embed into your heart and into your mind so that as we get to missions revival, our hearts will be on the soil where God can really work. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that we've had just to think about missions and to think about how you've blessed us. God, I just pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody watching, somebody worshiping with us, somebody that has never called out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin, I pray that they would do that right now. They would simply just pray a simple prayer asking the Lord to forgive them and to come into their life and to begin that change from the inside out. Lord, for all the rest here and those that are watching that are already believers, that already have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus, God, I pray that the desire of our hearts would be to, be more, to get more serious about our worship, 
to get more serious about our service, to get more serious about our commitment to share the gospel, more serious about sending out the gospel into all the world. God, I pray for our missionaries. I pray that you would strengthen them during this season in which it has been super difficult to get into churches. I pray that you'd be with our missionaries, that their support and their prayer support and their financial support would continue to come in in the midst of many churches who still are not meeting on site. Lord, I pray that you would be with doctors and nurses and caregivers as they treat those who have, who have been sick. God, with the coronavirus, with flus, with other illnesses, with cancers, seems like cancer is running rampant. Lord, we need your strength, we need your wisdom. And so God, I pray that you give it to our doctors and our caregivers to work miracles. God, I pray that you would be with us as a church, that we would actually get excited about what you're doing here, that we wouldn't take it for granted that we're able to put up a steeple or that we wouldn't take it for granted that we're able to renovate this place and to bring it up to code and to do the things that are necessary to safeguard your house for the future. God, that those things would not be taken for granted, that we wouldn't take it for granted when people get saved and baptized and added to the church. But Lord, we would be excited about what you're doing. That would be a part of what you're doing. Lord, I love you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. God, I pray that you would be with us this week. I pray that you would encourage our hearts, that you will challenge our hearts to do more while we have the opportunity. Lord, I pray this in all things in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.